This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Good afternoon and welcome to another exciting episode of Because I Said So, a show that's all about parenting. Brought to you by the American Family Radio Network across America, 5 o'clock Central Time. And some of you may wonder why I lead in to explaining when the show airs by saying 5 o'clock Central rather than 6 o'clock Eastern, which I sometimes do. And that is because... For whatever reason, American Family Radio has asked that I announce it that way, that it appears or airs, if you will, on Saturday afternoons, fairly reliably on American Family Radio stations across America at 5 o'clock Central Time. So that would be 6 o'clock Eastern and 4 o'clock Mountain and 3 o'clock Pacific And uh, I hope that's helpful anyway. I'm your host, John Roseman. I am a renegade, outlier, heretical, incorrect uh, psychologist who does not believe in psychology. And, you know, I explain that on nearly every show, that in my estimation, psychology is a secular religion that one believes in by faith. It's not a science. Uh, I'm talking about clinical psychology, by the way. There are some you know, reputable experiments being conducted by reputable people in the field of experimental and research psychology. But uh, clinical psychology, counseling psychology is a worldview. It's not a science. Those people, in my estimation, don't know what they're doing because uh, they can't know what they're doing because a psychological worldview is 180 degrees the opposite of a biblical worldview. So if, like myself, you believe in biblical truth, that truth is contained in God's word and that uh, that is the source of all reliability in the world and the universe, then uh, anything that stands in opposition to it, in this case, a psychological worldview, or, you know, probably more accurately called a person view, because clinical psychology consists of a set of propositions concerning human nature that are in opposition to a biblical understanding of human nature. So if you believe the Bible is the truth and that people who adhere to biblical truth know what they are doing, then psychologists do not know what they are doing. It is just as simple as that. So, you know, what I want to talk about during this show is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I wrote a newspaper article a few weeks back My column is nationally syndicated, appears in about 250 newspapers around the country, in which I noted that Harvard psychologist Jerome Kagan, who is rated by his peers, other psychologists, as being the 22nd most influential psychologist of all time. 
He writes higher than Carl Jung, for instance, has come out with a public statement to the effect that attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is an invention. That was his word. It is an invention. It is not a reality. It is a construct. And this is what I've been saying for more than 25 years in my newspaper column, in books, in public presentations, and in uh, every uh, other opportunity that is given to me, because I think that the issues surrounding or the issues surrounding attention deficit hyperactivity disorder are worth exposing, exploring, exposing, and uh, that provide a good reference point for my ongoing criticisms of the mental health professions. So let me review the position that I've been espousing for the last 25 years. And by the way, there was a time during my career prior to the early 1990s when, in fact, I did believe in ADHD. And I participated in the diagnosis of children with ADHD. In other words, I participated in diagnosing them with ADHD. And I would refer them to pediatricians or psychiatrists with the intention of getting them on medications of one sort or another, usually back then Ritalin. And then I began to dispassionately, objectively examine the issue of ADHD and came to the conclusion, per psychologist Jerome Kagan, who is, by the way, a, a famed developmental psychologist. And, and the guy is like, you know, I mean, I studied him in graduate school. I read his books. I read his articles. I read his monographs. And I, I know that he uh, has contributed immensely to an understanding of child development. Anyway, I came to the conclusion that, and, and 25 years ago, apparently Kagan has just uh, recently come to this conclusion, unless he's been concealing his, uh, his radical opinion for many years in order to not alienate himself from the psychological establishment, came to the conclusion that ADHD is a fiction that the mental health professions, psychiatry, psychology, et cetera, et cetera, have simply made this diagnosis up in order to claim it as their territory. In other words, to claim that when it comes to the treatment of this fictitious disorder, that only they are qualified to do so. And by the way, there is no diagnosis other than depression, which has brought more money into the mental health professions that has generated more of a cash flow into the mental health professions and by extension into the pharmaceutical industry than ADHD. So dispel any notion that these people are being objective. They've got a vested interest in maintaining the myth that ADHD is a reality, that it is a disease. And the fact that they maintain that it is a disease is reflected in the fact that they recommend as standard treatment 
various pharmaceutical drugs, beginning with Ritalin and now expanded to Stratera and other drugs that don't come to mind at the moment. So, in other words, they prescribe medication which influences biological processes, neurological processes. Uh, therefore, they believe, they must believe, that ADHD represents a neurological dysfunction of one sort or another, which they usually explain in terms of either genetically transmitted, usually from the father, their claim, biochemical imbalances or brain differences. Okay, so here's a fact. No one has ever quantified what is meant by a biochemical imbalance. In order to speak accurately about an imbalance in a system, one must first be able to precisely quantify a state of balance, which no one has ever done, concerning the many, many, many molecular compounds that flow through the human neurological system, central nervous system. Uh, Secondly, these brain difference studies are as bogus as they get. And I will name him uh, because he is a uh, hero with the American Association of Christian Counselors. Shame on them. They are a group of uh, quasi-psychologists masquerading as Christians, in my estimation. The fellow is Dr. Daniel Amen. And, you know, I will go to Christian conferences, and people will talk about him as if his research is valid because he claims to be a Christian. Okay, so the reasoning is a person who claims to be a Christian who does research because he claims affinity to God's Word must be telling the truth. Uh, Well, if that's the case, why then does Dr. Amen refuse to share his data with anyone else so that his conclusions can be checked and double-checked? In other words, the question becomes, what is he hiding? Well, he's hiding the fact that his research is bogus, as is all of this brain difference research. I mean, folks, we know that behavior, repetitive behavior, affects how the brain functions. So, for example... It is reasonable to assume that the brain of a major league pitcher or an accountant looks much different than the brain of someone who is not a major league pitcher or accountant. Uh, That does not suggest that uh, there is some neurological anomaly at work in the brains of major league pitchers and accountants. And the way this works here is, you know, in the subject under discussion, ADHD, is that uh, the fact that uh, someone is able to find brain differences on average, and that that's a very important understanding, among individuals who have been diagnosed with adult ADHD proves nothing. It proves absolutely nothing. And furthermore, this is an average, and therefore... It means that there are plenty of people who've been diagnosed with adult ADHD who don't have any perceptible brain difference when uh, examined. So anyway, I wrote this article a few weeks ago, and it has whipped up the predictable firestorm. 
And uh, that's what I want to talk about when we come back after the break, is the firestorm and how interesting it is and uh, how much I enjoy being the center of this proverbial cyclone, to mix my metaphors. So anyway, uh, I'll be back in a minute after the break. Hope you stay with us. So welcome back to the show. The show is called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Rosemond. I'm a renegade, heretic, outlier, incorrect psychologist, and whose uh, licensing board, let me assure you, the North Carolina Psychology Board, regrets the day they ever gave me a license. And oh, that gives me such joy and pleasure. I mean, it truly and truly does. They have attempted to take away my license twice not because of anything inappropriate. They can't prove that I've had an inappropriate relationship with a client, which is the usual reason why licensing boards come after a license. Uh, You know, I've never done that. They can't prove that I'm treating people inappropriately because uh, that's unprovable, in my case at least. No, they try to take away my license they have tried on two occasions, requiring me to spend lots and lots of money on attorneys, which I've been glad to do because this is a mission to me, is to prove that uh, psychology is a bogus occupation and that there is no reason to suspect that a person with PhD after his name gives better advice concerning problems of living than your hairdresser. You want to save some money, talk to your hairdresser about your problems while you're getting a haircut, kill two birds with one stone. I've written about 15 to 20, depending on how you count uh, updates, reissues, rewrites, etc., etc., books on children and family issues, and go around the country and talk about this thing called parenting, mostly in churches and Christian schools all over America, although I do talk to pediatric dental groups, pediatricians, et cetera, et cetera. And public schools and independent schools that are not affiliated with any uh, particular religious system or denomination. And I write a nationally syndicated newspaper column that appears in about 250 newspapers around the country. So enough about me. What I want to talk about is this this firestorm that was the result of a recent column I wrote on ADHD in which I expanded upon noted Harvard psychologist Jerome Kagan's contention that ADHD is an invention, What exactly what I've been saying for the last 25 years or more. The column in question drew opposing responses from mental health professionals, parents of children diagnosed with ADHD, and people diagnosed with adult ADHD. And I've heard all the talking points before. The ADHD establishment has been beating these same drums for as long as there's been the diagnosis. 
So one individual, for example, claimed that ADHD is, quote, a real thing, end quote, because, get this, it is, quote, documented in the nonfiction book, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, end quote. That's the latest edition of what is known as the Diagnostic Bible of the Mental Health Professions. Of course, that argument that ADHD is real because it's contained in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders presumes that these psychiatric diagnoses contained in the Diagnostic Manual are valid in some objective sense of the term, as in the common explanation that many are caused by biochemical imbalances. And yet, first... No biological anomaly has ever found to be reliably associated with any psychiatric diagnosis, including bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, manic depressive disorder, blah, blah, blah. Second, no one has ever quantified the fictional biochemical imbalance, which a leading psychiatrist has called a useful metaphor. And third, no psychiatric drug has ever consistently outperformed a placebo in clinical trials. Doesn't that blow your mind? Concerning that last point, it can therefore be reasonably argued that these drugs rely to one degree or another on the placebo effect. And indeed, in study after study, Placebos have often reduced the symptoms of diagnoses contained in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Placebos do not, however, reduce the symptoms of biological diseases such as pneumonia and cancer. And so it appears that whether the DSM, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, is fiction or nonfiction has yet to be determined. Several respondents inform me that saying ADHD does not exist is as absurd and untenable as denying the reality of cancer. Okay, <laughs> that's absurd. But that, that's their standard argument, folks. All right, so here are the differences. This is what's called a false analogy. Cancer's symptoms are objective. They can be located they can be proven to exist. A physician can prove that someone has a malignant tumor, but no one has ever offered objective proof that someone has ADHD. As such, ADHD is not, as things stand, a reality. It is a construct, and it will remain so until proof of its biological reality is confirmed by peer-reviewed research, and until then, claims to that effect are spurious at worst, well-intentioned speculation at best. In this regard, it is telling to note that whereas billions upon billions of dollars have been and are being spent trying to find a cure for cancer, no one has ever tried or is trying to find a cure for ADHD. But then, Understand that in order to cure a malady, one must be able to locate it. ADHD cannot be located. They say it's genetic. No, no, it's not. 
you know, there, there is no evidence from the 1950s or before that significant numbers of children brought these sorts of behaviors, this cluster of behaviors, to school with them. And that generation of children who grew up in the 1950s, my generation, would have been the people who passed along these genes to their children, who would then pass it along to their grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. No, no, no. This cluster of behaviors that we call ADHD is new, historically speaking. It is new. Therefore, it can't be, it can't involve some genetic transmission process. But to come straight to the point, to equate cancer and ADHD is to equate horses and unicorns. But nice try, people. Now, the diagnosis may be bogus, but no observant person would deny that significant numbers of school-aged children have pronounced difficulties with paying attention, impulsivity, completing tasks, and the other diagnostic signs of ADHD. Interestingly enough, according to every single individual to whom I've ever spoken who taught elementary school in the 1950s, and that's been well into the hundreds of such former teachers, the behavior pattern in question was not a significant issue in their classrooms. In fact, they usually say, John, we didn't see these sorts of kids in the 1950s. Where did they come from? A good question. The consistency of such reports effectively discredits the idea that ADHD is genetically transmitted. Now, in the year 2009, through Thomas Nelson Publishers, reputable Christian publishing house, a behavioral pediatrician, Bose Ravenel, nationally known, and myself, and Bose, by the way, used to be a research pediatrician and professor at the uh, University of North Carolina Medical School, He and I wrote a book called The Diseasing of America's Children, in which we point out that the behaviors diagnostic of ADHD are typical to toddlers. Impulsivity, short attention span, failure to complete tasks, uh, low tolerance for frustration. The same is true, by the way, for the diagnostic Indicators of Oppositional Defiant Disorder and Bipolar Disorder of Childhood, both of which are also new. Our theory is both quite simple and fits the facts. Our theory is that since the 1960s, significant numbers of children have been bringing toddler behavioral characteristics with them to school. Our explanation 50 years of bogus professional parenting advice based on bogus psychological theory in combination with early exposure to screen-based media and increasingly non-nutritional diets, all of which, folks, is research-based, has created a slew of behavior problems that were not significant issues in the classrooms of the 1950s and before. In other words, the parenting paradigm that we embraced in the mid-1960s, America embraced, is failing to cure toddlerhood, which is a pathological condition. It is a pathological state of development. The toddler, cute as he or she may be, is the embodiment of 
the sinful nature of human beings. My mother, a single parent, cured my toddlerhood by the time I was three years old. That was the norm back then, which is why one teacher could teach up to 60, 70, 80, 90. And that's no exaggeration, folks. I've run into these people. Children, elementary, first grade even, children successfully in the 1950s, one teacher. You put that in combination with early exposure to screen-based media, TV, iPods, iPads, etc., etc., and lousy diets that are full of sugar and refined carbos, and you've got the makings of a behavioral nightmare. So that's all the time we've got, but I'll follow up on this in uh, upcoming shows. Uh, Hope you've enjoyed this one as much as I have. Hope it'll be a blessing in your lives, and God bless you all and your families, and hopefully, see you next week.